0: Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis.
1: And I'm Dr. Draper.
0: Today on the show we'll be taking a look at the brand new $200 million, sure to be a blockbuster film, Alita Battle Angel. We're also going to look at an Amazon Prime exclusive. Don't worry, he won't get far on foot, starring our man Joaquin Phoenix. We're going to look at some trailers that have come around. It's the new year, and there are new trailers out to talk about. But before we get to all of that, we need to go over the news. Three stories this week, and the first one... All Oscar categories to air live after Hollywood protest. Oh, how the mighty have fallen.
1: (laughs) Every time. Uh,
0: Following a controversial decision to hand out four Oscars uh, during the telecast commercial breaks. Those Oscars being, let me see if I can remember, cinematography, editing, hair and makeup, and live action short film. uh, Following... its decision, a uh, meeting with some top cinematographers, and an open letter from a whole lot of people in the industry. The Academy has decided that they are going to pull back and they are going to run all categories live, same as always. And any hot takes on this?
1: You know, this is like the fourth thing this year that the Academy has had to roll back. First, it was the the popular, uh, popular Oscar award that they rolled back. Kevin Hart, they had to roll back. And now this. So it's not a good look. I'm glad that all all of the uh, the things will be shown um, and I des- I think that they all deserve to, to have their time in the prime time and not in the uh, commercial breaks. Um, it will make the show longer. Um, I, I would I mean I like the show. I don't care how long it is um, th- that's just me but I would rather them show it and give every res- every award its respect than kind of make a second class citizen. I'm, I'm I'm very disappointed
0: in the Academy. I guess this is the best thing that could have come of this, right? But even still, like the number of decisions they've made and then either pulled back or rolled out of uh, this year in an effort to uh, spice up the show, make it more exciting, shorten it, get it below 180 minutes. That was a big goal, uh, which they said this announcement uh, will upend. They will not clear 180 minutes. They're going to have to go longer, you know. Um, It's it's sad. It really is. Like, the the Academy Awards is supposed to be the celebration of film and and cinema, and like, ultimately, it just feels like they're trying so hard to pander to everybody, and they're not pleasing anybody. And it's like, film is is supposed to be independent, and it's supposed to be self-reflexive. I wish the ceremony that celebrated it in the biggest global fashion possible was the same way. Um, and instead, it just feels like nobody's happy and everybody's upset. Um, thanks for nothing, you know?
1: yeah, well, also the the Oscars and award shows in general are really kind of an antiquated thing. and they haven't changed with the times, and they and they really need to. I mean, you can try to tweak things here and there, but you need to really go back to the drawing board. Um, if they want to shorten it, they could take out all the commercials and show it on a streaming service. And that would considerably cut down because that's actually what adds the most time is you're watching an an hour of of commercials, Um, but they need to do something really radical. Another thing that that people have suggested is adding an an award or two more, which of course would make it longer, but things like best stunt, best cast, best trailer, uh, something like that, something that might appeal to a wider audience.
0: I wanted to mention a bit from this open letter before we move on. Uh, this was published under the uh, American Society of Cinematographers. Uh, it was signed by a whole lot of people. They, they actually had to split the, the signatures into lists of directors, actors, Filmmakers and then a whole other section of just general editors and stuff and there's a segment in here that I really like They said the Academy was founded in 1927 to recognize and uphold excellence in the cinematic arts Inspire imagination and help connect the world through the universal medium of motion pictures. It's a very stand-up thing Unfortunately, we have drifted from this mission in our pursuit of presenting entertainment rather than in presenting a celebration of our art form and the people behind it couldn't agree more it's more about the views than it is about what got viewed, and that's not okay. You know, like, and and uh, I don't I don't think the Academy needs to be relegated to some kind of like Writers Guild Awards where it's not really televised and nobody really cares and it's kind of small time. I I think if anything, it should be just as big and as bold as always as it's always been. But man, you guys gotta keep your eye on the ball like what are we what are we doing here you know what are the, what are the awards for
1: yeah it's still a big event and there's still you know as we've said before all award shows are business opportunities so we need to not forget that but also it's got to change with the times and i think going to a streaming service you know you can watch exclusively here even if they it, i don't know they just they got they have to change with the times and they haven't been and they're trying to make these small modifications and it's just not going to work
0: yes The Oscars will air uh, this Sunday, February 24th at 5 p.m. Pacific for anybody out there who wants to watch them. We'll be checking them out. I think you should check them out too. Our next story, Samsung gives up on Blu-ray players In the U.S., this is a story I I was not too interested in until I kind of thought outside the box. Andy, can you please explain to the people at home uh, uh, what what is so engaging about Samsung bailing on Blu-ray
1: players? Right. So they're bailing on. uh, They're not going to introduce any new Blu-ray or 4K Blu-ray players uh, in the U.S. market. This is primarily due to everyone going to streaming. So it's a change in format. You know, in in my lifetime, I've seen that. You know, the death of VHS the move to DVD, the move to the battle between, uh, Blu-ray and HD DVD. And now it looks like we may be losing physical medium, uh, altogether. Um, now this, this doesn't mean everyone's not, uh, going to stop producing Blu-ray players. Every other company is still that makes them will continue to make them. This is just Samsung, but it definitely says a lot about people's viewing habits and the future of physical and streaming media.
0: I, I didn't want to talk about this story initially because it's a it's a, it's about exactly that physical media. That's something we hardly ever touch on on this show. I, it almost feels out of place, and, and it take took me a second to remember. Oh yeah, uh, ten years ago everything was physical media. Like we wouldn't be talking about any of this. It's it's a, it's a weird, I guess, encouraging reminder of how far streaming media has come, and and how digital media has really become the norm. But it's also a solemn reminder of what came before of physical media and how yeah it cannot be doing that hot I mean, every time i go to every time i go to a best buy it used to be back in the day i'd roll in the blu-ray section first thing or the dvd section who am i kidding vhs section if you remember that far back <laughs> uh now i mean never never do i go back there and if i do i look at one thing and look at the price and like oh, i can get it cheaper on amazon or i can yeah. find it streaming somewhere like you just don't even you just don't even think about it um i
1: have come to to really appreciate physical media because you know with a lot of these streaming services, things are licensed, and they could go at any moment. So your your favorite movie is available one month, and then not available the next. And uh, there there were a couple times when that got really annoying. So I definitely value the th- the things I do buy are things that I will watch a lot, or you know things like Blade Runner twenty forty nine or The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi. Uh, these these were probably the last few things I bought. Um, I definitely want the the power to own it and to watch it. No matter what happens with the streaming medium.
0: Yeah. I'll uh I mean I, I I like streaming media physical media too, who am I kidding? Uh I like physical media as well. I I, I do have a big like I got a big bookshelf full of movies and video games and stuff. And that thing has not expanded in years because I just don't I don't buy physical media anymore. And in a way I was thinking about something the other day. It's kind of a bummer because I like having that big movie collection, you know. I think I think physical media will always be around. Like like, you know, uh uh records and vinyl like I I think there will be a space for that exactly Um, but it's definitely smaller than it's been and I can see why Samsung is thinking maybe they should cut their losses and jump out Uh, our last story before we move on to Alita Uh, Amazon Studios to start making films that will skip theatrical release Uh, Andy any hot takes on this
1: yeah so uh, Amazon was lauded for its approach to to movie releases because it would usually do Uh, a theatrical release for 90 days and then before moving it to its streaming service. And and people are saying, well, that's really great. They're preserving the the theatrical experience. Um, However, times are changing and 2019 and 2020 are going to be huge years for streaming because we're getting the, the launch of Disney plus uh, Apple's uh, proprietary streaming service and time Warner's proprietary streaming service. So it's going to be all at war on streaming. And so Amazon is deciding to put more things just directly on their service uh, just to compete with that and draw more viewers into their service, I'm I'm interested.
0: I like going to the movies, like I always have, and and that's a big that's it's a big offender of of directors and other fans of like the theatrical experience that streaming media is killing this. They're gonna stop making movies in movie theaters. Um, I, I mean, we can go back and forth on whether or not that's a good thing or bad thing ultimately for cinema. This bums me out a little bit, but at the same time, man, I love watching movies at home. <laughs> so I guess, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm I'm a little lukewarm on this one. Where do you land?
1: I, I hope it's a little bit like Netflix has gone the other way. They went from everything exclusively being on Netflix to they're getting into a little bit of, of theatrical releases for, for big films and for, you know, things like Roma or uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, so I like that idea that, you know, we're going to have things that are... Only available on our service, and then you know, there's gonna be some big things that you really want to see in the theater. That I think that's a a cool medium, so it just shows again the the changing times of streaming.
0: I do think this will, I don't know, I don't know if this will curb uh, Amazon's uh, star power because they have a lot of stars in their movies, they have a lot of big actors and big directors working on their stuff. Uh, I would argue more so than Netflix, just by general trend it seems like we've been watching a lot of like art house stuff over on uh yeah, definitely. Amazon. Uh I wonder if this will hurt them? But I don't know. Like at the rate we're going, I mean you, you look at the Cohen brothers made a movie for for streaming services, uh, Alfonso Cuarón did it, Gus Van Sant did it. Like I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen, I guess, they, but they all got to pay bills, man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> if you're if you're paying <laughs> If you're paying the fee, man, they'll—they don't—I don't think they care too much. They do and they don't.
0: Yeah, and like we mentioned uh, last week, I, I think—and this will come around again for don't worry, you won't get far on foot. At least in my opinion, uh, I, I think these services offer an almost experimental platform for them. It doesn't premiere quite like a theatrical film, so it's a little bit more opportunity for a director to stretch and do something a little different and try something new. Um, so for what it's worth, like ultimately, this could be a really cool platform and a really cool opportunity for directors to grow and learn and cinema to change.
1: Yeah, there's um, more, there's more the risk, they can take more risks and the viewer can take more risks. You're, you're not worried because all you're giving up is time if you're already subscribing to these services. Mm,
0: yeah, agreed. Well, that about wraps our stories. Andy, please, you graciously agree to take the summary for our first film, take it away.
1: Alita, Battle Angel. Does it bother you that I'm not completely human? You are the most human person I have ever met. So this is the new uh, sci-fi cyberpunk film by Robert Rodriguez, uh, produced by James Cameron. Uh, James Cameron has wanted to make this film for like 20 years. Uh, He bought the rights back in the early 90s. Uh, It's based on the manga by Yukito Kishiro. Uh, They made a, a short animated series and a short animated film in the early 90s. And James Cameron was basically waiting for CGI technology to really... Uh, be be at the level it needed to be to create the world and kind of these these cyborgs that are in the film. So here we are. The story is takes place in in the far future. Uh, we have these two cities. We have Zalem, which is floating in the sky and is kind of this mythical place everyone wants to try and get to. And then we have the Scrap Iron Town, which is dirty and dingy and down below on on the earth. This is kind of a thing a theme that we've seen in in lots of films. Uh, At the very beginning, we meet uh, Dr. Dyson Ito, played by Christoph Waltz. Uh, He's kind of scouring the scrapyard for technology, and he comes across this uh, head and and torso cyborg and realizes that it's, uh, it's alive. The brain is completely intact. He takes it home, gives it a body, and awakens it, um, and it turns out it's it's a young girl who has no memory. She doesn't know who she is. She doesn't know where she's from. She doesn't know her name. Uh, he gives her the name Alita, Built her a body because he's a, a cyborg surgeon, um, and begins to raise her uh, as his own. And we soon discover that Alita has incredible reflexes and that she has this uh, innate combat training and that... She really is something else, and but she doesn't know what that is. Uh, we also, very early on, we meet uh, her love interest uh, named Hugo, played by Keen Johnson, and that's the, that's the setup for the movie, and the rest of the film deals with her discovering her past and who she is and what her abilities mean and trying to fight kind of this inequality and evil uh, corporation. Um, it's It's a pretty incredible looking film. It's got Lots of action, lots of special effects, a lot going on in it. Um, so, Zach, what did you think?
0: I think this, com- this film first warrants a larger conversation. Uh, there's a lot going on in this movie. It's an adaptation. <laughs> yeah. It's a Robert Rodriguez film. It is a $200 million CGI fest. There's action, there's adventure, there's sci fi, there's a little bit of romance in there, there's some body horror, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Yes. Um, it's tough to nail down everything this movie does. I think it does a lot right, I think it does a lot wrong. Yeah. That's what I think. <laughs> uh, what did you think of Alita Battle Angel?
1: Um, so it, it looks great. Like the world building is incredible. Uh, It really is Uh, between the scrap iron town. It reminded me a lot of Blade Runner twenty forty nine, like that level of of world building. Um, The 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 kind of cyborgs are are incredible, and this is a theme that comes up in a lot of animes, especially animes from the early nineties. There was there's lots of just cyborg people. It's a thing. And the the creation of these, which is a mixture of of sci, uh, sorry CGI and practical effects, is it, just amazing. I mean, it, it looks like the the things out of uh out of the manga, out of the the comic book. Um, we get really good performances all around. Uh, Rosa Salazar plays uh, or voices Alita. Um, again, I guess it plays. Actually...
0: It was mocap, right? For for what it's worth.
1: Oh, that, that, I I didn't know if she did all of it. I'm... Yeah, uh, anyway, maybe not. Um, so visually it's stunning But it has the same problem that Avatar did And that was also visually stunning is, it, is that the story somewhat gets lost in there And it's it's a little confusing It's very cliched Just like Avatar was The romance feels kind of forced And doesn't really work And um, th- this movie's also clearly a setup For a franchise or a trilogy Or something like that And so we don't really get a satisfying conclusion to this first film um, so visually incredible great action kind of fails on the story side uh, for me uh, what what do you think
0: i i pretty much agree so let's break into that <laughs> not to not to get not to stay too far out of that conversation but i want to dig into each kind of part of that sure. let's first start with the visuals it's a 200 again i said it like four times 200 million dollar film a lot of money a lot of CGI, a lot of world building here. Uh, we're, we're building a, a universe. Uh, it's very sci-fi. It's after a war between two factions. Uh, we have lots of cyborgs walking around. Uh, I think everything worked really well. I know something I had asked about uh, last week. I said, How, how's that uncanny valley gonna work? Because because <laughs> our main character, Alita, has big anime eyes. She is almost entirely CGI. Uh, many of the surrounding characters around here are, are her are not. They are normal. Uh, a handful of them are. They are They are cyborgs just like her and CGI. And it's this weird combination of motion capture and uh, CGI to make it work. Um, so you get people who kind of look like real people. Uh, one of her main antagonists in this movie, a character named Gruishka, uh, was, was played by Jackie Earl Haley. And you can see his face through most of the movie, but it's distorted and it's different so you can't really tell it's I him no but the whole time him. yeah the whole time watching the movie i'm like i know that guy i just don't know who he is like i can't quite figure it out and looking at it now it makes sense but at the time i couldn't tell so that uncanny valley our, our protagonist who is uh not quite real did you did, were you were you like did you fall for the illusion i guess or was it distracting the whole time how I, did that I, feel because for that... me it worked i think
1: I didn't completely get used to it um, and j- just a pretext. So I, I went in and, and watched the the original or the animated uh, film, which this is also based on. It's in two parts. It's an hour long and you can wa- actually watch the whole thing on YouTube for free. Um, they clearly based a lot of the movie on that and it's including her look in, in that movie as well. She has these giant anime eyes um, and they, they definitely, it was inspired by that for this movie it, it right. still took me some getting used to because again, no one else in the film really looks like that, at least in in the eyes. But there's, I mean, there's a lot of crazy things going on. And, and it, yeah, it, it, go ahead.
0: No, I, I was going to say I wanted to move into the 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 cyborg stuff. The right. okay, so we have a person who is. Uh, We have people in there that are completely normal, and they might have one animatronic arm or two. And those will usually be props, but those will also be peppered in with CGI. So there will be characters who in some scenes are completely CGI, and other scenes are partial CGI. Like, there's a lot going on there with effect. Um, How distracting was that? I mean, did it all feel like part of the world, or... I mean, did you did you get lulled into this feeling of like this is how the world of the film is, or were there times where you were pulled out of it and you were like, oh, okay, I see what's happening here? How did how did that go?
1: I mean, to, to me, the, the CGI was, was really in, incredible. You you get again the creation of these cyborg people is really something else, and they all look so different. There, there's a place, there's a time when they she meets all these other bounty hunters, and they all have such a unique look, uh, but that's still very clearly uh, cyborg-inspired. And I don't know if you caught this. uh, You know, there's this motorball ball sport, which is actually very reminiscent of the pod racing scenes in in, uh, episode one. Uh, Yeah. Did you catch a a quick Jai Courtney in... Uh. Oh, yeah, I did!
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah! I remember him popping (laughs) up. I was like, is that Jai Courtney? Like, what is he doing in here? Yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he's great.
1: So, um... Yeah, I mean, I, I was really con- convinced by a lot of it. Uh, you get a really cool character called uh, Zapan by Ed Skrein, uh, who He's got this sword, and he's bald, and he's got this thick English accent. Uh, he was awesome. The, the effects, I mean, that's clearly where the, the entire uh, budget went, went to. Um, the motorball scenes, which is like this racing sport, uh, a bit like roller derby, is really cool, too. Uh, it really... I would have liked to have seen that in in 3D that that kind of thing.
0: Was motorball a before, before I get back into it, was motorball a uh direct was that directly from the adaptation was that added? Because it so, felt like one of those things they would add into the movie to make it like visually engaging and like it didn't feel I don't know. What what was that?
1: So the, so the movie covers the first 4 books in the series and the motorball is from like uh books 3 and 4. And then most of the stories from books one and two. So it it is in in the series. It's just right. it's a little bit mixed in, uh, which I just wanted to talk about. And, and again, we got to be careful. We always say we don't want to uh, judge something on something it's, it's not. Um, yeah. But I, like I said, I the thing that this movie made me want to do. It, it made me want to dig into this world. It made me want to go out and buy the manga and you know watch what the source material was, and, and I did. And it was really engaging and I felt like they took a really great story and then watered it down (laughs) and made it and kind of dumbed it down for American uh, audiences. And, and one of the things that we miss is really intense vice uh, violence. There's a lot of inferred violence in, in the, in the film, Uh, in the manga and in the, the anime, it is hyper violent, which if, if you're familiar with those platforms, it, that's, that's a normal thing. I mean, it is gruesome, body horror blood guts everywhere but then we don't get that in the movie and and to me it loses a lot of its intensity because we don't have these real kind of shocking moments of ultra violence
0: yeah you definitely lose that and that's something that like the the original manga because i read a bit of it back in the day it definitely nailed that body horror and this has it in in parts i want to talk about that there's this definitely there's definitely this unsettling feeling That comes in a lot of scenes when you'll have a human head on a cyborg body and the cyborg body is thinner than like the human head frame would be (laughs) and it gives you this really uncanny like feeling of like oh god that's not natural and like i know it's cgi but like it's a it's a really intriguing effect and i wish there's a version of this movie that isn't pg-13 and like i think it's a stronger film for it i i that's a shame Uh, i also think there's a version of this movie that isn't as long as this one, because this one felt a little long somehow, and uh, that would be better. Um, uh, yeah,
1: I, I agree. That that would be my other complaint. It definitely drags in the in the middle, and you know, I kept waiting for the uh, kind of climactic moment. And I was like, okay, we're gonna get to the end. We're gonna have a big battle, but because it it's, it's setting up more films, we we kind of don't get that. And and I completely agree. The, I, I want the rated R version of this. I want I want like uh, Alita tearing people in half. You know severed limbs lots of blood, blood like that's yeah uh, and, and we get some of that we get the infer. we get the PG-13 version of that and I, I think right. it hurts the film o- overall but you know PG-13 is the most profitable rating so I understand why they didn't want to go for a full on R uh, <laughs> yeah. version
0: uh, let's talk about the acting I know you said a lot of strong performances I disagree uh, I, I thought Christoph Waltz and Jennifer Connelly and Mahershala Lee were all underutilized they all could have could have done better with a better script. Marshaala Lee is in a really odd place in this movie. He plays kind of this dual character and 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 I don't know, stuff just didn't like the direction with them just didn't feel great cuz I've seen brilliant performances out of all of these actors and this one I just didn't quite get. Rosa Salazar felt uh just it's it's kind of like it's kind of like Andy Circus and like good mocap performance. Like it's it's good, but like because I can't see you doing it, I can only see a version of you, like a digital recreation, it's tough for me to connect. And, and a lot of the villains I really liked, that screen was great, Jackie O'Leary was great. Uh, not a big fan of Kean Johnson, I thought he was distracting and, and uh, <laughs> yeah, flat, and I did not like his character at all. Um, what, what do you think?
1: Yeah, so let's talk about that. So Kean Johnson plays uh, Hugo or Yugo in, in the original manga, and he is her lo- love interest. And he's somewhat of a kind of an, uh, like an Aladdin figure. He's he's scruffy, streetwise yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I just didn't buy I didn't buy the romance very much, and I also didn't just didn't buy his character. I th- felt he needed to be kind of scruffier and, and and dirtier. He's he's a bit too clean. Um, to be fair, the the romance is also kind of imbalanced and awkward in the original source material as well. So I think they were that's what they were kind of going for, but it just kind of lands somewhere in the middle.
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird result of what I think. You're right. One adaptation, two. Writing it's written by James Cameron and three direction directed by Robert Rodriguez, an odd duo. And I said it, I think, in the last episode, maybe the episode before. Um, I, man, 20 years ago, if you told me James Cameron and Robert Rodriguez were teaming up to make an action anime film, I'd be like, "This is going to be the greatest movie of all time." This one, like, just does not, just does not get there. Um, and, and I think a big part of that is doing due to the writing and direction. The CGI is good. The action, pretty good. Choreography all felt good. Very creative. Uh, the way a lot of cyborgs use their cool parts to do things was neat. Um, but ultimately it just feels long winded. It, it feels, uh, somehow unstructured. The dialogue feels jilted. Uh, it just doesn't, it just doesn't do it for me.
1: Yeah. And and, uh, I agree with you. The, uh, yeah, and again, they took a really great story and dumbed it down, and they added some really cliche parts. There's a, there's a moment where Alita gives this kind of inspirational speech, and it's really cringy, and I don't know where they got that from. Oh, it was real <laughs> bad, yeah. I mean, so, she she gets <laughs> – it's fine. I don't want to spoil it, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so the writing is definitely the weakest parts, and I also feel like we miss out on some of the – larger themes like one of the things we get from the anime is that the um you know everyone everyone or certain people are obsessed with going to Zalem, and they're kind of missing out about what they're what is around them because there's they kind of they literally have their heads in the clouds and that's a really big theme that isn't really explored or and isn't really forefront in in this version so uh, again we it just feels really dumbed down
0: yeah I um I did want to bring back around to to bring the conversation full circle. Uh, I did want to talk about the world building because you're right. the The world feels very vibrant, and it feels very valid. And I think a big reason for that is that clever combination of props, and real sets, and um, CGI. And it reminded me a lot of Blade Runner 2049 too. Uh, I got the same same kind of vibe. Um, yeah. That is that is nothing but a detriment to this movie because as soon as you start thinking. Hey, it reminds me of Blade Runner twenty forty nine. The movie looks worse because, like Blade, it just like Blade Runner did. I, that's the thing. Like, I know you again. You can't appreciate a movie for what it isn't. You have to appreciate it for what it is. I get that, but like it's it's hard when you see a director come along and do this better yes. and build a world better and like have a similar structure better, and then you watch this. Like it just it it tarnishes it in a way, and and that um, that makes it tough to enjoy. But for what it's worth, there are a lot of redeem redeeming things in this. Um, yeah. Yes. So yeah, let's before we wrap this up, let's talk about that for a second. What are what are the the highlights here? What should people look forward to when they go see this
1: movie? I mean, to me, the the action and the the effects are are incredible, and it's definitely worth seeing in three D. From what what I hear. Um, I'd like to see it again in 3D. I think I would appreciate it more now knowing the property better, knowing the the story. Uh, I think I would probably like it more because I have that anxiety of, oh, what's it going to be like? What's it going to be about? That whole thing.
0: Maybe you're right. Uh, I think the action is pretty good. The CGI and, and, and the way they kind of meshed up together I liked a lot. Uh, I, I genuinely didn't dislike the plot because I didn't know where it was going and that was cool and that's part of that world building that like you've got these two this this world that's a, a fallout from war and these two warring factions. Uh, there is an introduction of a lot of terms in there and phrases you've never heard before because we're talking about, you know, a different world. It, I, I checked my watch when it happened. I made it 58 minutes into this movie. Before they said something, I went, oh, I don't know what that means. I don't remember. <laughs> like, they, they, they told me that earlier, and I don't remember what that is now. Uh, and I figured it out with context. But... Um, they throw a lot at you, but it is, I mean, it's engaging the idea of these two worlds and this whole, like, how did, how did these things come together and how did, was this side doing the right thing? Like that all is good. And it keeps me driving towards like staying glued to my seat. Like I want to know where this is going, even right. if it's a bumpy ride. And ultimately I think that's a good thing for the film. So any final thoughts before we uh, move on to recommendations?
1: I think I'm ready to go.
0: Andy, would you recommend Alita Battle Angel?
1: Uh, yes, with caveats. Uh, I think if you're a fan of the the manga, if you're a fan of anime and sci-fi and action, it definitely has a lot for you. Uh, and again, it does suffer from the Avatar problem of just having kind of a dumbed down and simplified, cliched plot. But over overall, I would recommend it.
0: I would. I'll go the opposite. No, with caveats, Ooh. which is a, a weird. Yeah. All right. Uh, I would not recommend going to see this in a the theater. I wouldn't recommend getting your friends. I wouldn't, I wouldn't recommend paying the price of admission, but when this movie inevitably hits a streaming service and you have to pay nothing, totally watch it because honestly, like it is, it is a visual spectacle. Like it really is. And the plot is, is good enough to keep you interested and they probably won't make another one, but for what it's worth, like it's, it's a cool movie. It's got cool motion capture. It's got cool effects. Um, yeah, I'd wait for it to come come to your home box office or what have you, and that's where I'd watch it, I guess.
1: Right, and it, it's not doing particularly... It, it was number one over the weekend, but still a week $40 million opening. It has opened pretty big overseas, and so it still might be saved by the uh, the Chinese audience. So right, uh, we'll, we'll see, because it did make, I think, $100 million overseas in the opening weekend. So I, I think it, it might be able to make a comeback. I would like to see more films. I, I would definitely like to... I think this is a cool world. And I think there's a lot of these characters I'd like to see, uh, but it's definitely ha- has to do well financially for that to happen.
0: You're going to keep watching that anime or reading the manga.
1: Yeah, I definitely uh, did. Uh, was Christine interested in seeing this at all.
0: Uh, kind of. She, she wanted to go see it, but she kept saying maybe, which I knew I'm like, maybe it's now <laughs> like it gets, cause she's, she's very particular with her movies. Like how to train your dragon uh, Lego movie hard. Yes. Uh, months in advance. We are going to see that for the podcast. Like Totally this one she was like "Ah, maybe i'm like no you're not gonna see it so when it came down to it she was like i had a long day at work it's fine still it's fine (laughs) uh so it's fine i'm not sure she would have enjoyed it anyway so it worked out uh we should move on to our trailer park segment been a minute since we talked about this i didn't actually do a formal introduction this is trailer park Yes, uh, the first movie, three, got to go over this week. The first one is the hot new Disney film based on an obscure film nobody <laughs> saw. Uh, the movie is Frozen 2.
1: Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Did I
0: put audio in for these things back in the day? Did I? Was I doing yes. that? Yes. Yeah. Ah, okay. That's going to be a hassle. Uh, Yes, Frozen 2 continues the story of Elsa and Anna, our two proverbial Disney princesses, uh, in their quest to... I don't really know, honestly. Because to their credit, (laughs) this is a teaser for Frozen 2. uh, And it's like two minutes long. And it's not just like a lame logo reveal. Like it is actually footage and there's some kind of plot presented. It appears our characters are traveling with their... um, I guess Anna's boy toy Hans and his uh, uh, elk, what is it, a deer? Why do I know this? Uh, They go to some kind of foreign land. It appears it is now fall, and it's not winter, so that's a big twist. Elsa looks like she's trying to get out of where she's at now. That's about all I know. Olaf's in it. Josh Gad uh, has has a job somehow still. Uh,
1: (laughs) So,
0: so yeah, that's Frozen 2. It's not made for us. It's not made for you, Andy. It's not made for me. But what do you? What do you think? Initial thoughts.
1: So I haven't actually seen the first Frozen. Mm. It was. It was one of those movies that was so like prevalent, and it was everywhere. And I was so annoyed that I just determined. I I was determined not to see it.
0: I'll I'll it, show them.
1: <laughs> yeah. So so I didn't see it. Um, but this trailer looks really exciting. I don't even know what's happening. I don't really know these characters, but it really got me intrigued. And I definitely want to now. I want to go back and watch Frozen so I know kind of what's going on. There's been pe- people that are really familiar with the property have um, been doing lots of speculation about different elements of the trailer that I know nothing about. Um, it's definitely going to be a huge uh, fall film, um, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't I don't want to grandstand and say here hey here's what it's about. I don't know. Um, I'm sure there are websites out there that can tell you here's what they think it's about. Ultimately, uh, I'm I'm pleased with the, the the production of it. Again, I know it's a big movie and and Disney wants people to, to get on that hype train, kids especially. Uh, but for what it's worth, uh, I wish every teaser was like this one. I wish every teaser actually showed you something and wasn't like a lame logo reveal. So I'm into it. Uh, we'll keep you posted We'll probably end up Watching it on the show We watched the Lego movie And watching How to Train Your Dragon 3 I oh, wouldn't we uh, But Ness our, our next trailer Andy please
1: Yesterday Yesterday Ellie bought you a present Oh my troubles seems wow. so far away Now it looks as though They're here to stay Oh I believe In Yesterday When did you write that? I didn't write it. Paul McCartney wrote it. The Beatles. Who? So this is the... Uh, I, I hadn't heard about this till last week. This is a new film by Danny Boyle, um, starring Lily James, Anna DeArmas, and introducing Himesh Patel. Uh, and Himesh Patel plays a struggling musician who one day has an accident. He's hit by a bus. And kind of... There's a power outage or something. And when all the lights come back on, uh, apparently he's the only person who remembers the Beatles. And so he starts playing some of their songs, and people are like, wow, that's incredible. And then he turns into this huge musical sensation because it looks like he's writing the hits, things like Yesterday or, or Hey Jude or other uh, hit Beatles songs. Um, th- that's kind of the setup. It's, uh, I don't know if that's sci-fi or, or w- what it is, but it looks like a really heartwarming f- film. It, it looks funny. Uh, it's a good cast. at Danny Boyle, uh, who did, uh, of course, oh, Brain Spotting. Twenty eight yeah. days later. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yep. Sun to Got Sunshine. It. Oh yeah, um, sunshine. Yeah. So, uh, what did you think of this trailer?
0: I'm actually really surprised to talk about this on the show. Uh, believe it or not, <laughs> I didn't tell you that. Um, this this trailer is incredibly charming for all the wrong reasons, and I want to talk about why. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: I actually like this trailer a lot. I do. Uh, I love the idea of this movie. I'm a big Danny Boyle fan. Like I said, you you, you I, I had two of two of them ready in the ready, ready to go. Train Spotting, Twenty Eight Days, Sunshine. I own all of those movies on DVD from back in the day. Uh, I, I like Danny Boyle a lot. I wish the guy got more work. Uh, I love the idea of this this movie. Um, I don't like its execution. Well, I take it back. I love the execution of this movie. I don't like the idea. All right. right. What did you? And I'll talk about that in a second. What did you <laughs> think of this trailer? Uh,
1: I think it looks really charming. It looks funny. I I was I was really. I, I remember I read the premise and I was like, well, that sounds lame. But then I, I saw the trailer and I liked it. And I like Lily James and Anna DeArmas. Um So I, I'm excited. I immediately. I have a couple of friends who are big Beatles fans, and uh, they were like, wow, this looks really great.
0: I really like the movie Across the Universe. I don't know if you remember that movie. It was another Beatles cover kind of movie uh, with a fictional biography uh, stuck in there. I think the reason I really like that movie isn't because of Jim Sturgis and Rachel Wood in their early performances. It's because of the Beatles music. And, like, ultimately, when I watch this trailer, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, this this wouldn't have worked with Coldplay. This wouldn't have worked with uh, R.E.M., or Oasis, this really only works with big bands and it works great with the Beatles because they're one of the biggest bands of all time. And it frustrates me because I'm, I, I'm looking forward to this movie, not because of its clever plot, because the plot is kind of ham fisted, frankly, not because of its engaging actors and not because of its fun characters. I'm looking forward to it because I just want to hear Beatles music and cool <laughs> Beatles covers. And that's kind of the wrong reason to want to go see a movie. I, Danny Boyle will make his money, and, and Hamish Patel, I'm sure, will do well. This is an introducing, I think this is his first big role. He looks great in it, to be fair. He looks great. He looks very, very, yeah, engaging, and, like, he looks like a really, really interesting character. as this Jack character who plays music. But I, I feel like I like it for the wrong reasons. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I don't know. It's it's, it's it's like when you get on Netflix and you see a real bad Nick Cage flick, but you're like, man, I'm, I'm really in the mood for some Nick Cage. i, yeah. I go for some crazy <laughs> Nick Cage. That's what I'm going to do. And then you pop it on, and it's horrendous. And you can't even get through the first 15 minutes, despite the fact that Nick Cage is doing some horrible British accent. Because you know, you know it's a bad movie, whether or not Nick Cage is in it. And unfortunately, I look at the trailer for yesterday, and I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I'm saying I can't tell what kind of movie it is. I just know it has Beatles music, so I want to see it. And that's the wrong reason to want to see it, I think. It did
1: look to me like it was going to be getting into, you know, some issues about, you know, friends and romance because, you know, his friends are going to see his rise to fame. But then, you know, it's hard to be have normal friends when you're famous. Um, So it looks like it's going to tackle some kind of big themes there. And that's that's what I'm looking forward to. I imagine at the end of the movie, it's going to be it's going to the reverse is going to happen and he's going to be back to. Whoever he was, and everyone's going to remember the Beatles. Um, so it's going to be about the friends we made along the way <laughs> or something uh, to that effect.
0: Right. Uh, there is definitely an issue of butterfly effect. Um, the world would not be the same if the Beatles stopped existing. Like, we would live in a very different world. Media would be very different. Music would be very different. So that's odd. Uh, I don't know if 60s doo-wops would work well on the James Corden show where it shows him premiering one of these songs. I'm like, I don't know if that would take off in the age of Post Malone and Taylor <laughs> Swift, you know? I don't, sure. I don't know if, like, the audiences who listen to Cardi B would be like, oh, my God, this hot Beatles track. Um, <laughs> or Beatles People. sound-alike track. I don't know. Um, I mean, it's even it's even hinted at in the trailer uh, with Ed Sheeran offering advice on how to sing Hey Jude in a very uh, ham fisted joke. I I want to see this movie. I, I'm looking forward to seeing this movie for the show. I think I only want to see it for the Beatles, though. <laughs> that's the <laughs> wrong reason to go see a movie. So that's where I land on yesterday. Looking forward to it. In a Absolutely.
1: Weird way. Yeah, yeah, same here. Uh,
0: the last trailer we need to talk about uh, the movie is. Let me get this up. The movie is Tolkien.
1: Tell me a story.
0: It's a story about Jenny's the journeys we take to prove ourselves. It's about inventions. It's about potent magic. Magic beyond anything anyone has ever thought So Tolkien is, uh, if you haven't inferred from the title, the story of J.R.R. Tolkien uh, in his, as he was growing up in the 30s, I'm going to guess. Uh,
1: that's it's definitely World War One. so uh, it deals with his... Uh, that's going to be in the
0: 19-teens, 19-teens, uh, sure. yes, uh, in his struggles to beca- be a young boy, and I think England is where he grew up. Uh, he joins the war, he goes over there and fights, and he becomes the J.R.R. Tolkien we all know and love by penning, the, of course, uh, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and creating Middle-earth. Uh, it's, it's not a very in-depth trailer. It's actually more of a teaser, I would argue. Yeah. Um, it's starring Nicholas Holt, who I'm a big fan of, it's it's about the only person I think I recognize from that trailer.
1: Um, it looks like Amelia Clark as well.
0: Amelia Clark. Any thoughts? What do you think?
1: Um, I I didn't know what to think about this. I it seems like we're biopic happy at the at the moment, uh, so I didn't really know what to think about this idea. But the trailer r- really grabbed me because it it kind of shows him describing what his books are going to be about, and then showing inspiration from real life. So I mean, real life as in World, being in World War One, about having friends to get him through this, about probably losing some of those friends. And so it's a mix of, of things that you've seen or images and iconography that you've seen in Lord of the Rings but kind of taking place in real life as well. I, I think it's a pretty slick trailer, and I'm, I'm definitely more interested in this than I was uh, before I saw it.
0: I Like I said, I, lo- I love Holt, and I don't mind a good biopic. I don't. Like, I I, um, I I think there's something to be derived from them, especially if they're different. And they're this one looks so like... so rare. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh, they, you have to kind of change the formula and do something different. And this one has the potential to do that by interweaving properties we know with the man we don't. Like, maybe there's something cool there. I don't know. I, I'll tell you what frustrates me about this trailer. They didn't get the rights to New Line Cinema's Lord of the Rings. Like, so... They're not using any Lord of the Rings footage, and I'm like, man, I'm sorry. Like, Lord of the Rings has established itself in cinema. Those are epic films. I, I, I arguably, I'm, i I might be willing to die on this hill. I could be proven wrong.
1: <laughs>
0: the Lord of the Rings trilogy is the most epic fantasy ever in cinema, arguably. I really. Yeah, that, that might actually. I, anything I cannot think of anything that comes close to those films. They are Academy Award-winning films. They are incredible. Uh, you're using knockoff Lord of the Rings uh, for your movie. It's like, that doesn't work. Like, we all know what Lord of the Rings is. Like, wouldn't it be cool if they had managed to get the rights to Peter Jackson or, or New Line Cinema, their properties, and gone back and done some, like, slick CGI recreation thing? Well, I don't know.
1: I, I like from at least the trailer, you know, we're, we're definitely meant to just kind of infer a lot of things things that we're familiar with or images. So I, I, I do like that idea, and I... I, could, I don't. To me, it's not important that it look exactly like what we already know. I, I like kind of the inferred idea, like, oh, that looks like a fire demon, you know, which could, you know, it could be Sauron, it could be the Balrog from the first movie. Yeah,
0: but like, wouldn't it be neat if it looked a lot like that thing and wasn't just different enough that they didn't get sued for copyright? Like, that's the problem. They're competing with the property. Like, they can't, they can't use anything close. They have to just get close enough, and like that doesn't scratch the itch for me. That doesn't that doesn't quite do it for me. I I, I still want to see it. I think see, I, Christine will be all about it yeah. she
1: loves talking. Um, so I'm actually more excited because of that because it means we get to see kind of a new uh, version of some of those things that we're familiar with. Oh, you and, sweet yeah. summer child. And to me, and to me, I I think that's that's more cool because otherwise it would it, it would be boring if we saw exactly what we already know.
0: To be fair, you're right. That is the other side of the coin. I should be a little bit more optimistic. Um, there is potential to do something different, do something new. So that, that does work. You're right. I, I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, so that's Tolkien, I guess. Uh, looking forward to it? Yeah, kind of. I think I'm looking forward to all of these. Not really Frozen 2, honestly, but uh, you know, we'll see if Disney can catch lightning in a bottle again. Our last film, this is an Amazon, uh, Amazon exclusive from Amazon Studios, of course. The film is Gus Van Sant's Actually, it doesn't start with Gus Van Sant, Gus Van Sant made it. The film is Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. The last day that I walked, I woke up without a hangover. Ah, pretty groovy day, huh? I knew I had an hour or so of grace before the withdrawal symptoms set in. So Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot is the story of John Callahan, played by Joaquin Phoenix, a uh, raging alcoholic, and I'm gonna say the 70s, uh, when yes, he,
1: that's when it starts.
0: Right. He, uh, he he befalls some tragedy, and, and he ends up paralyzed uh, from the neck down, or just about the neck down. He can still it's kind of move his own. Ch- so. Chest
1: down, yeah.
0: Chest down, right. And even then, his arm movement is limited. Uh, he has to struggle with overcoming his alcoholism and living a life now confined to a wheelchair and ultimately face those demons that he's tried so hard to uh, remove himself from. He uh, is surrounded by a supporting cast of some fairly intru- fa- fairly engaging actors. Jonah Hill uh, plays his kind of rehab sponsor. Donnie Rooney Mara plays a, a romantic interest in the film. Jack Black is is in this movie. Um, movie does a lot right, does a lot wrong, and and, and <laughs> I say that even more so than Alita. And I want to talk about why. But before we before I before I rant and rave, and let me tell you. I don't want to get too far into this, but we have 15 minutes left to wrap the show up, and I'll bet we can do this in 10, because I don't have a lot to say about this movie. <laughs> Andy, what did you think of Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot?
1: It definitely took me a while to get into this movie. Uh, it, it's slow-paced, uh, which is fine. It's not not a criticism, but I just um, had a hard time really getting into the story and, and the characters. Uh, almost no one is likable that we meet initially walking phoenix is is a huge alcoholic and a jerk uh, all his friends are pretty much the same way and when we meet him uh the well the story jumps around the timelines a lot so we meet him when he can walk and also after he's in the wheelchair fairly early on and he's equally a jerk uh when he's first in the wheelchair um the long, the second half of the story I really did eventually get into it because it's a story of redemption and recovery and a redemption through art which is uh, you know uh not cliche it's an archetype in in film uh but it's done really really well in in this version and when we kind of see his journey from walking from walking to being paralyzed to kind of coming out of that hole and alcoholism is as well it, it definitely grew on me the the longer it went um but there it definitely has some issues i i think uh zach what did you think
0: uh man this movie is so toast boring that's what i thought <laughs> oh my god the struggles of a white man in 1970 and not to not to grandstand like that's not it's not what i'm doing here but like man we joked about how like mid 90s felt generic because it's like oh no white kid in america has problems this is like a whole other level an alcoholic in america has problems like it's just <laughs> it's just tough for me to get into and and i i man i was so bored i was so just like oh my god when is this movie over the cast does a brilliant job of keeping you in your seat because if the cast in this movie was bad, it would be so much more forgettable than it is, but Jonah Hill does a brilliant job in this movie. He is really good. I remember seeing early reviews for this, and people highlighted him as one of the standouts in this picture. Joaquin Phoenix, pretty solid, like always. Not my favorite performance by him. Not his worst. Uh, Rooney Mara has a weird accent, because of course you couldn't just be like American Rooney Mara, and I think that's prob- or she's probably based on a character in real life, so to be fair... That's fine, but I, I was like, Rooney R- 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 Mara, come on, your your career is on the rocks. Could you not be normal for a minute? I like, don't do you know. have to?
1: And then Our, uh, Go ahead. I don't know what Rooney Mara. Is supposed to sound like anymore because she does so many different accents, every time. Personalities. I have no idea what she actually sounds like.
0: Her character's name is Anu, so for what it's worth, like I think she's she's not supposed to be from America. It's fine. She's
1: Swedish, yeah.
0: And and I like Jack Black a lot, honestly. Towards the end of the film, his performance didn't quite stick out in the way it was supposed to, but like charming, hammered Jack Black is great. He's always fun to watch. You know, he's all over the place. He's, He's he's like his character in School of Rock. Uh, so I liked him a lot. Those those are really the the standouts. I man, I wasn't really engaged with the plot because you kind of know what's coming. Uh, and this movie is edited in in a really odd way. We should talk about that. Gus yeah. Van Sant, I, I think, uh, and I haven't seen a whole lot of his films, so maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe his editing is this is how he always does it. But I think he he maybe leaned into the streaming services offer me. Like a, a low low risk, low reward potential to do something different. And there's some editing choices in this that are very odd. It's, I edited non linearly, at least at first. It opens yeah. non linearly. And it kind of comes together, but it was so confusing at first. I could never really establish a sense of place or setting as the viewer. So ultimately, I, I just, it, it kind of just all washed by me and I, I kind of missed the point of at least the, the first act. I could not get into it. Like, I, I understand what happened to the character, um, but, like, uh, how he got there and his struggle and his guilt just didn't, it, it wasn't, I didn't get that sense of progression that you're supposed to get. They're like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm falling deeper into this hole with this character, and I understand. Um, because it's out of order, that doesn't happen. At This didn't happen for me. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, I I agree. I definitely had a hard time establishing which timeline I was in sometimes or exactly what year it was or how much time had passed. Um, Funny enough, Sonny Soljic, who was in the star of mid 90s, is in this film as well. He's one of the, ironically, one of the skateboarders.
0: Yeah, skateboarder number two. (laughs) There's got to be a link between him and Jonah Hill, right, in this film. (laughs) This has got to be, they probably met on set or
1: something. Maybe it's the don't worry, he won't get far on foot, uh, you know, franchise and universe.
0: I tell you what, Jonah, Jonah Hill was looking to get into directing. He wanted to do this movie called Mid Nineties on the projects he was probably recently working on. He was like, "Let me sit behind you and, and watch how you work with the directors." Gus Van Sant was probably like, "Sure." I bet he had a hand in in, in directing that scene. I bet that's how he met that kid, right? I mean, that seems like a sure seems like a layup. Yeah, it seems super easy. So yeah, there's the Mid Nineties connection.
1: Um, w- one of the things I did want to talk about is the. Uh, it's kind of his redemptive arc, and that's because he, he begins to kind of draw these cartoons, and he, he, can't, he doesn't have full use of his hands, but he can kind of manipulate a pen. And he, he draws these uh, little cartoons that are really dark, pretty offensive, especially for the time, um, but they start to get really, really popular, and he, he develops this unique drawing style because of his uh, kind of infirmity and but it it becomes a hit he becomes published in the local like um university paper eventually gets offers from from bigger um uh, magazines uh you know he's trying to get things published in the the new yorker these national things and and eventually finds uh success through this and so that's an essential thing to the plot that i think we kind of glossed over is that his cartoon drawings are what bring him, help bring him out of this uh, kind of spiral of, of doom, uh, being an alcoholic and being uh, nearly a paraplegic. I, I want you to know I remember the cartoons. I, I left them out because
0: I felt like they were poorly used in the film.
1: <laughs> right, they're they're part of the editing, yeah.
0: They Yeah, they are. They are actually a, v- a big part of the editing. They were used as uh, uh, transitions at certain points. And they, they, towards the, especially the third act of the film, much more important. Yes, like that is... And they're, they're throughout the whole movie, but again, because the first bit is nonlinear, like they show up and it doesn't really make sense. You don't really understand why they're in the movie. And, and like them being offensive was weird and I didn't feel like that was ever really, really covered. Like it just, it just felt oddly tone deaf in a time when people get offended by a lot easily. You made a movie where a guy draws offensive cartoons and you just never really talked about why or how or his motivation ever yeah it just felt weird I'm like why what what are you trying to say with that you know maybe I'm being a snowflake and reading too much into it but like ultimately I, I didn't I didn't get it somebody looks at his, and like and like let's be let's be honest all right maybe 1970 these things were funny didn't age great anytime a character yeah. laughed at one of these cartoons it wasn't funny it's never like never once did I laugh watching this movie and there's like characters in the movie laughing at his cartoon like hey, this is funny and they show it and you're like no it's not like it's just like so, there that felt weird. Um, the cartoons, I don't know. I just I didn't get the point of them. Like I just felt like they were in the movie because well, that's what happened to this guy. But it's like the guy's making the movies didn't understand why he started drawing the cartoons, and so they just stuck it in and were like, well, maybe other people will get it. I don't know.
1: Right. Some of the cartoons are. I mean, they're very dark. Like you know the the title comes from one of them where it says, "Don't worry, he won't go, get far on foot." Where this you know group of like sheriffs on horseback are looking at this empty wheelchair. And say, don't worry, he won't get far on foot. That's a pretty dark joke. And there's a lot of dark jokes, but then there's things that just like you could not print at all today. You would lose your job. <laughs> that magazine would shut down. So you're exactly right. The jokes are problematic because a lot of them are definitely have not aged well at all. Some of them have. Uh, some, some of them haven't. But they, they really should have explained kind of how this art got him, helped him turn his life around and turn, turn around uh, as a person.
0: Right. How how did making <laughs> again? I don't, I don't want to sound overly sensitive here, but like here here's just the basic question, right? In filmmaking, because because in the in the IMDb description of this of, of this movie, the the cartoons are are a big part of this. Uh, uh, willing his injured hands into drawing hilarious, often controversial cartoons, which bring him a new lease on life. Yeah, it gets him a job It makes him some money. Great. How is creating comedy at the expense of other people when you're in a wheelchair better for you? That's the question. Like, that's what I would like answered. Like, that's that would—that's a movie. There's a movie there. Like, you can talk about that. That just doesn't happen in this. It's just like, yeah. oh, yeah, and he started doing these cartoons, and people liked him and some people didn't, and then it worked out. Like, great. But, like, why? Why did he do that? What's the motivation behind that? Yeah, like, exactly. Never, like, it never, how, it just skims that
1: surface. Yeah, like, how, how did that make him stop drinking? How did that... Make him kind of repair a lot of the relationships he'd ruined uh, in his life. Yeah, did he
0: feel guilt over that stuff? Did he feel bad about it? Or did he feel justified? And Did he ever teach anybody about it and say, hey, broaden your horizons a little bit. Like, maybe there's something there. Like, I just, it never really got there. So, I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, a, a big a big part of this movie focuses on the, uh, the 12 steps of, of A.A., Yes, Um, which is kind of a big theme. Uh, I I found that extremely, extremely problematic. And and here's why, because uh, a lot of research has indicated that the 12-step programs are no more successful than just trying to quit on your own. And there's a lot of kind of bad press behind those of them being uh, manipulative. And it's not a good look. And so, so in the film, it's made to kind of look like, oh, this, you know, the 12 steps, man, they really saved my life. And it, and it's just, I, I think that's a very skewed me- message and it. I think it's a little bit of a dangerous one, honestly.
0: Yeah. And I get the, well, it was the seventies. People didn't know any better. Sure. But like, it again, it just, it felt oddly tone deaf. It's like, you, it's like you, you, this movie was made by somebody who just hopped out of a time capsule or something. And it was like, yeah, this is a movie you're going to make. I, I don't know. It just, it just didn't, it felt odd. Yeah, the I, editing was weird and.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you, when you make when you look back at something from 20, 30, 40 years ago, you know you forgive a lot of it for being a product of its time. This is not a product of its time, but it's made like it is, and that's that's pretty pro- problematic. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about performances. Uh, I did like Rooney Mara; she always just kind of lights up a room. Um, so I, I did like her character, but Jonah Hill is definitely the star here. He plays this weird, really wealthy. Uh, sponsor, uh, and he does these A.A. meetings. He he's really effeminate. He he calls them the, his piglets, um, and he's a, he's a major character and he's a big figure in John Callahan's life and in in helping uh, him turn his life uh, around. So really a good performance uh, by him, and like you said, also of Jack Black at least in the beginning of the film.
0: Mm-hmm. I um. I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't have much more to say about it. Like I said, my, my fifteen-minute review is about ten minutes, twelve, I think, if I'm looking at the clock now. <laughs> um, any, any other thoughts? I guess for recommendations, I'm kind of. I'm kind of burnt out on it.
1: I, I'm ready for recommendations.
0: All right, one more thing. Uh, <laughs> I <laughs> this movie's too long, and it covers like a whole span of a guy's life, but like. Man, I, I, I remember uh, I was watching it. Christine was at work. She gets home, and she's like, hey, what are you watching? I said, oh, it's a movie for the podcast. Don't worry. We won't get far on foot. She said, oh, yeah? Uh, how, how far are you into? I said, oh, I think it's just about wrapping up. And I, I like hit the nope. control to see how long I had left in it. I was 52 minutes in. This movie is an hour 54. I was like, how is there still an hour in this film? Like, What is going to happen? And, and ultimately, nothing worth my time. Uh, maybe that should t- tarnish my experience. Maybe I should have gone with a more open mind. But man, I, like we've seen a lot of great movies on this show. This is just not one of them. So Andy, what did you think of Don't Worry? Won't, sorry, would you recommend? Excuse me. Don't worry. He won't get far on foot. Uh,
1: you know, I think if you're a big fan of Gus Van Sant, who has made some really incredible films, Goodwill Hunting, of, of course, um, Milk. I can't really think of too, <laughs> too many uh, last days. Uh, he definitely... Has more hits uh, a long time ago, um, less more recently. If you're a big fan of Walking Phoenix, like I said, his his performance is pretty good. Jonah Hill's pretty good, uh, but overall, un- unless it's on streaming, and even <laughs> even then, there's there's probably better things to watch. So I think I'm gonna go with no on this.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go a hard no. If you hadn't gotten that from my <laughs> review, uh, I man, there's just like if you're looking for a a deep character drama about a a flawed person becoming better like there's i i there's so many better movies than this one like this this one and, and like the performances are good and i think the people who made this believed in it but it it just it just doesn't just doesn't work um so that's don't worry he won't get far on foot uh, I don't know. I, 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 it has it has it, made guess.
1: us rethink how we're going to do stream, streaming because uh, we picked this movie because it was new to streaming, and there was there's not a lot of new to streaming this month, uh, so we might rethink how we do that because uh, yeah, I think this was a big miss.
0: Yeah, yeah, it felt like it But hey, I hope it made for some engaging content Hopefully somebody out there is listening and they think of themselves Hey, this is worth it and if you are listening, and if you did like this review Email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com Drop us a Facebook like Hit us up on Twitter, we're on Instagram Check out our website, mail at offscriptfilmreview.com Sorry, check out our website, offscriptfilmreview.com There it is and uh, let us know what you thought of the show. We appreciate it. Like, subscribe, rate, review. You know, do all those things you do with the podcast. Those are important. I don't know other shows will shame you and tell you, hey, you should do that or else. We're not going to do that. We're all friends here. Just like our show. It's not a big deal. It's fine. So, yeah, uh, from <laughs> all of us at... Oh, next week. we got to talk about what we're watching next week. Good Lord. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, next week, we are going to be watching How to Train Your Dragon 3. We're also going to check out Sorry to Bother You because it's on Amazon. And I really want to see it. That film by Boots Riley it looks experimental, it looks weird, and I'm, I'm into it. I almost watched it this week, and I thought maybe I can convince Andy to watch it for the show. So now, I'm getting something out of it. It's perfect. <laughs> I'm not just watching, and, it, watching it for fun.
1: And, of course, we're going to be talking about the Oscar winners.
0: We are going to talk. That's, yeah, you're right. Next week's going to be a long episode because we're going to talk about the Oscar winners. That's
1: that'll, be, that'll be our, our middle uh, segment uh, for sure. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, any predictions?
0: Uh, you know, I think last year we actually devoted a whole segment to predictions. We didn't do that this year, which is a shame. But we've we've expressed some thoughts on the Oscars, so I feel okay about that. Um,
1: I really hope Roma wins Best Picture personally, but we'll see.
0: Okay, real quick. Let me pull up Best Picture. (laughs) Just just that one. That's all I want to... Okay. Not Bohemian Rhapsody. I know that. Not that one. Uh, My hot pick for Best Picture. Okay, well, I know what I want to win. Uh, I'd like the favorite to win, but it won't. Uh, Probably A Star is Born, right? That's, I mean, that that song was huge, and, and, and Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga were big, and everybody went and saw it. Um, yeah, that's I, my I really guess. Do,
1: yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I don't like to guess what other people are like or don't like. Uh, my preference would definitely be uh, Roma. That would be huge. That would be the first time a foreign film has ever won Best Picture. Uh, but we'll see. It's uh, it's a, a very subjective uh, uh, thing in awards show. Uh-huh.
0: I'm a little concerned about their structure, like we said at the, uh, the the opening of the show. It seems like they're pandering to audiences and, and not to the films that make the show. Um, I'm I'm a little worried uh, decision-making will be based on that. But the fact that Bohemian Rhapsody is in Best Picture is indicative of that, I think. Um, so we'll see. Um, but it'll be a fun show either way, right? Oscars yeah. 2019. It'll be great. Well, from all of us at Offscript, the home... A Bold Cinema. Uh, I'm Zach Lewis.
1: And I'm Dr. Draper.
0: Thanks for listening.